Okay, today's message. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the words that Jesus said to his disciples just before his betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. So Jesus started talking about to his disciples about when he would return to the earth. That's what he's talking about. He's getting ready to say, look, this is all going to start. This is like two days before um, the Passover, which was the Last Supper. This is just before all of this kicks in. And, uh, and he starts telling them some parables. And we pick it up at uh, St. Matthew's uh, Gospel, the 25th Gospel, uh, chapter of the Gospel. And, and this is what Jesus says. He says, at that time, what time? Talking about when he returns. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps uh, but did not have any oil, didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. Now, the analogy here is that the lamps are like the form of Christianity. It's the, it's the trappings of Christianity. It's what makes us appear as Christians to the world. We come to church, we pray, we call ourselves Christians, we have, you know, all of that. Uh, and he says there's out of these ten, five had oil, which represents the life of God, the Holy Spirit, and the other five did not have any oil. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that. I mean, this morning there's, you know, millions of Christians worshiping all over the world. Many of them are wonderful believers in Christ who, who truly have the life of God flowing in them. But then there's a whole bunch of them gathering right now this morning all over the world who go to church, but they don't really have the life of God in them at all. They just go, it's, they just have the form. They come in and they say their prayers and they go through their rituals and, you know, they think they're doing God a favor, showing up once in a while. And, uh, and then they go out on their own. I, when I was, as a kid growing up in a church, I'd go to church every Sunday. I was involved in the church, but it wasn't real to me. I didn't really, it was just going through the ritual, just going through the form, you know, blah, 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 say the prayers, blah, 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 and go home. Um, well, the difference here is between those who are truly experiencing the life of God and those who are not. But check it out. They look kind of the same. The only way you could tell the two at first glance was, was some had the oil and some did not. Well, the bridegroom, Jesus said in this parable, was a long time in coming. Now, I think this is the Lord first starting to uh, telegraph to his believers that this is going to be a while. You know, he told them, you'll never know the day or the hour that I return. But he says the bridegroom was a long time in coming. Uh, I think this was a real struggle in early Christianity. When you read the, the first, about the first believers in the book of Acts. Um, you know, when, when, they, when Jesus said, I'm going to come back. They thought, you know, like he was going out for milk or something. Like he's going to be right back, you know. But, but he didn't come right back. I mean, and, and the early Christians, they all got together and started this big Jesus commune, basically, is what they did. They all sold everything they had and, you know, and they all lived in this big commune. Well, why? You quit going to work? Jesus is coming back. I mean, honestly, if you really, really thought Jesus was coming back like in two weeks, who'd go to work? I mean, nobody wants to go to work in the first place, you know, and if you think, well, why, you know, well, I don't need to go to work, just start, you know, sell whatever we got, pull the money together, we'll all kind of hang out for a while, and Jesus come out, we, we'll get out of here. Well, then obviously that didn't happen right away, and all of a sudden, you know, persecution comes, and the church scatters all over the place, which was, the, what, which was what they were supposed to do in the first place, and then they went and started preaching the gospel everywhere, and they changed the world. 
But they waited and they didn't quite understand why it wasn't happening quite as fast. I I know no way in their wildest dreams would they have ever imagined it would be 2,000 years and still he had not come. Certainly he waited. Why? Why is he waiting? So all of us can get in on this deal. God loves big families. He always does, literally and spiritually. He's a big family kind of guy. And I'm glad. I'm glad he waited for me. Hallelujah. Anyway, so he's a bridegroom was a long time coming, but they all fell asleep. They became drowsy and fell asleep. Well, at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Well, then all the virgins woke up, woke up and they trimmed their lamps and, and the foolish ones started freaking out. And they said, well, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And, uh, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Well, later the other ones show up and they start banging on the door. Sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Man, those words just give me the willies every time I read it. You know, the fear of, of having the form of Christianity in a form of religion, but not having the real deal. It's going to be such a shocker for some people someday. And I'll tell you what, whether or not Jesus shows up in our lifetime, I don't know, it might be hundreds of lifetimes yet. But we're all going to check out of here at some point anyway. And the reality is nobody knows when your number is up. Nobody knows when you're going to die. You don't know. We're all going to have to give an account someday before God. And the thing is, is, is this real for us? Are we really experiencing God in our lives or is this just a ritual that we go through? If it's a ritual for you, this is a bad place for you. Because we have to really experience God in our lives. To the point it affects us beyond their sitting here. So you see, real Christianity isn't this. This is part of it. I'm glad you're here this morning. It really stinks preaching to empty chairs. I'm thrilled you're here. This is great. This is part of it. This is part of the corporate worship experience and taking communion together and all that kind of stuff. It's certainly part of it, but it's not all of it. It's just a piece. Real Christianity, real faith infiltrates your entire life. It affects you everywhere that you go. And it transforms things. And you actually start living this out at your job and in, and, and in your relationships with your friends and with your children and even with your spouse, which is an amazing thing. I mean, that's, you know, that's really where you see if this is really working in you. Is it really affecting your closest relationships? You know, don't tell me you love Jesus and hate your husband. Don't tell me, oh, I really love God, but I wish my wife would go to hell. I hear stuff like that. You wouldn't believe what I hear. Christians telling me this. I think, what planet do you live on? You think you can really love God and hate your spouse? You are a nitwit wrapped up in a moron. (laughs) Man, if you can't live this with the closest people with you, you can't live this. And if this isn't affecting you down to the most personal parts of your life, man, you need to get some oil on the inside. Because that's what will happen. The oil will saturate your life. And it will start changing things and transforming things. Start really, truly experiencing faith. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, about rituals. And I'll tell you what, some of the most dangerous uh, uh, situations for people are those who get really involved in church. And I know of pastors and and guys who are here all the time volunteering, not not here, but but in churches, where, where they get so involved in church, they don't really experience much of Jesus personally. They're too busy working for God to do any praying themselves. They're too busy serving Jesus and helping people 
to read the Bible or to really have a, 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 a real experience uh, in their own lives. That's a scary place. You know, Jesus talks about <clears throat> someday there will be people on Judgment Day who will say that, that aren't going to get in. And he's gonna, they're going to say, well, Lord, I did all this for you and I did this for you. To, and, and he'll say, well, I never knew you. Whoa, man. Can you imagine that? Being so busy doing things for God that the oil just dries up inside of you. See, all of this ultimately is about knowing God and being known by God. Knowing him, experiencing him. This is so critical. And as Jesus is getting ready to suffer and die, he's telling people, dudes, keep the spiritual life inside of you. Make sure you don't dry up. It's not about just the rituals. It's just not about the form. It's just not about showing up. You've got to experience this stuff. And the life of God has to be in you. And that's when Jesus said to them, therefore keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. And then he goes on. He continues to talk and he gives them a second parable. And he says to them this. He says again. It meaning the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. Now he's talking about money here is, is the analogy. I love the fact that they keep the analogy or, or translate the word talents here. Because it's, it's a perfect analogy for what he's really talking about. Which is the talents and the abilities that God gives us. Everybody has talents and abilities. And, uh, but here he says he gives talents, some guys uh, five talents, another two talents, another one talent. These were uh, financial uh, things that he gave, gives in the story. And then this guy, after doing this, he goes on his journey, which again is the perfect analogy. Jesus comes, he teaches us how to live, teaches us what to do, and then he leaves. Now we have to do something. We have to follow the instructions that he gave. The guy shows up, gave him these things, said, told him what to do with it, and then he left. Now, a lot of people, and I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it many times. There's so many people who they don't do anything for God in their lives because they're waiting for some kind of revelation. They're well, what are you doing for God? I don't know. I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me. I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me. Man, you're going to get your butt kicked if you don't get going. Because sometimes God may step in and, 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 and give you some direction. But boy, we need to start getting involved with what God has given us and start using it for the kingdom of God. And it might be your, your, your talents, your abilities, your energy, your money, whatever it is that you need to start saying, you know, I need to start giving back into the kingdom of God. God has given me something. I need to give back. I need to be faithful. The Bible's very clear about what we should be doing. There's no excuse. There will be no excuse. I promise you on Judgment Day. And I know a lot of people are going to be stunned on Judgment Day like, you know, these people who can't sing on American Idol. You know, they're just, I didn't make it. And they don't know that they stink. And I'm telling you, that's a picture. Every time I see that show and I see that, it's, it's a picture of Judgment Day. I'm telling you, so it's going to be like exactly like that. People are going to freak and get mad. And they can't believe it. Well, I, I, I should get in. I should get in. Why am I getting in? Because you're not living this. Anyway, the man who received the five talents went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent, well, I don't have that much. I don't really have that much. I just have the one talent. I'm not like that guy over there. He's got five and the other guy's got two. And I don't, I don't hardly have anything. I don't, I don't know. God hasn't spoken to me and I don't know. What to, so he sits on it and does nothing. He digs a hole in the ground and hides 
his master's money. Well, after a long time, there again, I think the Lord trying to telegraph to these guys, it's going to be a while. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle the accounts. Well, the man who had the five talents brought another five, said, Master, you trust me with five talents? See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I talked about this last Sunday. Jesus talks about this all the time. One of the most important things of what I'm talking about in your faith is faithfulness. Will you be faithful to what God is doing in your life? Will you be faithful in your commitment to him? Will you be a faithful, dependable servant? And I use the analogy just of, of, of financial. You know, uh, a couple of, th- what, three weeks ago we had that really cold Sunday and a lot of people, you know, stayed home. I certainly understood. <laughs> I wish I could have been one of you. But, uh, you know, I got to work here. So, I, you know, we came and it was a low attendance and then the next Sunday was the snow, ice, freezing thing that we had to cancel services all together. And, uh, and I got to tell you, if all of us were truly faithful, when we got together for the next Sunday, we would have caught up financially and it wouldn't have made any difference at all. It would Not if you're truly faithful. But see, what happens is a lot of people, we only give when we show up. You know, like it's some kind of a cover charge to hear the band. You know, don't be like that, for heaven's sakes. And I'll tell you what, I, you've never heard me ride and criticize and get on people for not coming to church. Now, you ought to come to church, and it ought to be a consistent, faithful thing that you do. But if you're not here every Sunday, I don't get on your case about that. I mean, a lot of times you can't because of commitments and jobs. Sometimes you just want to take some time off with your family. Go for it, man. Go to Hawaii. Take me with you. Let's go hang out for a month. But I promise you, if I'm in Hawaii for a month, it does not in any way, shape, or form affect the amount of money I give. Not in the least. Whether I'm here or not, it's... I still send in my checks. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I want to be faithful. I want to be dependable. It's something, this church, as wonderful it is, and I love you, all of you. We still got a problem in this area. Because when people don't show, then yeah. And at the summer, we're doing great. Now the summer will kick in and then all of a sudden people go on vacation the money starts dropping. That should never happen. Even if you're not here for six weeks. It just shouldn't happen. Let's be faithful people. Let's be consistent. Faithfulness is one of the most important things that we will be referenced to on that day. And Jesus said, great job. You've been faithful with the little things. I'm going to give you charge of a bunch of things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two. Look, I got two more. And his master again, same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Again, the analogies of coming into heaven. Then we got the dude who just had the one talent. He said, master, I knew that you were a hard man, you know, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering. I mean, I kind of criticizes the master. You know, you weren't around here anyway, and, you know, weren't here, and, you know, I was afraid, and you only had the one talent, and I just, I hit it. Here, 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 here it is. I'll give it back to you. And what does Jesus say the master says? He replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have at least put my money with the bankers. So when I returned, I at least gotten some interest, done something. 
But then he says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So number one, the parable before Jesus begins his suffering tells people, man, be ready. Be ready. Have the life of God in you. And number two, use what I give you. Use what I give you. Just don't sit. Get involved. Use your uh, abilities for the kingdom of God. And then he gives the third parable. He gives three. Boom, boom, boom. And the third one, and I actually preached about this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go into it in detail again. But I do want to read it here in, in context of what we're saying here. So Jesus finishes the second parable and then he reads the thir- says the third one. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, again, all of this is about when we all have to stand before God someday. And all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in glory, in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people, one from another, as, shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, which is interesting. God never intended people to go to hell. It was never even created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. Will people go to hell? Without question. Lots and lots of people will not make it in. Why? Because they ignore God. And in in doing so, align themselves with the devil even though they're not even aware that they're doing it you don't have to actually sit there and worship the devil anyway he says get out of here you're going to go into eternal torment and people are looking like what and then he's going to say he says well I'll tell you why because I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they are going to answer him and say, what are you talking about? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and didn't? When did we do that? And Jesus will say, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, talking about those in need, you didn't do it for me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Wow. So the first parable reminding us, stay filled with the life of God, man. Don't just get caught up in the trappings of faith. Don't just get caught up in the trappings of Christianity. Make sure this is real to you. Secondly, Use the gifts I've given you to advance the kingdom of God. Just don't sit on what you have. And then finally, are you showing grace? Are you showing the love of God to those who are in need around you? Or are you forgetting about those who are in need around you? And we've talked a lot uh, about um, trying to uh, get some ministries and helps to help reach out to, to people in our community, uh, specifically the Hispanic community that we want to reach out to this next year. And uh, this morning, uh, as Pastor Lathan said, we are selling empanadas, which is a meat pie, but it sounds cooler. 
with empanadas. And uh, I've had one already and they're fabulous. And uh, we're selling those out there to raise money to help the Hispanic ministry uh, here in town to do the work that they do. They help feed these people and, and clothe them and house them and do whatever they can to help them. And they need resources and stuff. So I told those guys, said, bring some stuff out. Let's sell some Mexican food or something and see if we can't. So, you know, stop by there this morning. You know, just even the littlest things that we do help other people. You know, not that you always need to get a meat pie for it, but you know, at least in the morning you can. You know, sometimes you just need to do it just to do it. To help. Why? Because that's what God has called us to do. And then when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. See, he said all these things just before all that happened. I want the ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion. Our musicians to come up and get ready for our communion time. You know, this is fascinating. Jesus says to them, look, it's two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. You know what's fascinating? Jesus told these guys over and over again, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to betray me. They're going to arrest me. They are going to crucify me. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. Read the Gospels. He told his disciples, those closest to him, this is what's going to happen. And then they come to Jerusalem and he gets arrested and they freak out. And then he dies and they're devastated. And he raises from the dead and they go, holy cow. You know, you got to wonder, you know, these guys weren't exactly the brightest guys on the, on the block sometimes. Here, Jesus told them what was going to happen, and when it happened, they were shocked. And i got to tell you, as, 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 as easy as it is for us to look at that and think, boy, these guys aren't very bright. You can't help but wonder if that's just kind of the way people are. You know, are we that way? Do we hear these things, and then we don't get it? We hear it, but we don't hear it. We, we, we receive it, but we don't, we don't really do anything about it. I think it's kind of the nature of man. You know, God, in so many ways, makes it very clear to us what our responsibilities are in faith and what we need to do. But yet, there will be so many, as Jesus warned, on that day who will be so shocked and stunned like they never heard this stuff. What? I, I, what? Man, don't let that be you. Let's take this stuff real. Let's experience the life of God. Let's be ready. Let's use the abilities he's given us to bless others and to advance his kingdom. Let's be willing to help those around us that are in need. Let's live out this Christianity. Let's not just have the trappings of it. Let us let it be very, very real. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. <clears throat> if you're here this morning and you're thinking, wow, you know, I... Sounds fascinating, but I, I, I've never even really experienced any of this stuff at all. You know, maybe you're here and you've never really surrendered your heart to Christ. Maybe you've never made that decision to turn away from the sin in your life and come to Him. What we're doing right now is we're celebrating communion. We're talking about the death that Jesus went through. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Why? So we could have forgiveness of sins. You see, Jesus took what He did not deserve. So you and I could get what we do not deserve, which is forgiveness of sins but you have to turn from your sins make a decision say God forgive me and ask for his forgiveness in your life I want us all to pray this prayer together this morning and if you've never done this and ever ever meant this in your life mean this now and you can take your first step of faith 
with Christ this morning. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.